the law school of america cohabitation is an arrangement where two people are not married but live together they are often involved in a romantic or sexually intimate relationship on a long-term or permanent basis such arrangements have become increasingly common in western countries since the late 20th century being led by changing social views especially regarding marriage gender roles and religion more broadly the term cohabitation can mean any number of people living together. To cohabit, in a broad sense, means to coexist. The origin of the term comes from the mid-16th century, from the Latin cohabitare, from co-together plus habitare at well. Reasons for cohabitation in the United States Today, cohabitation in the United States is often a part of the dating process. In fact, cohabitation is increasingly becoming the first co-residential union formed among young adults. In 1996, more than two-thirds of married couples in the U.S. said that they lived together before getting married. In 1994, there were 3.7 million cohabiting couples in the United States. This is a major increase from a few decades ago. According to Dr. Galena Rhodes, before 1970, living together outside marriage was uncommon, but by the late 1990s at least 50% to 60% of couples lived together premaritally. People may live together for a number of reasons. Cohabitants could live together in order to save money, because of the convenience of living with another, or a need to find housing. Lower-income individuals facing financial uncertainty may delay or avoid marriage, not only because of the difficulty of paying for a wedding but also because of fear of financial hardship if a marriage were to end in divorce. When given a survey of the reasons why they cohabit, most couples listed reasons such as spending more time together convenience-based reasons, and testing their relationships, while few gave the reason that they do not believe in marriage. The extremely high costs of housing and tight budgets of today's economy are also factors that can lead a couple to cohabitation. Today 60% of all marriages are preceded by a period of cohabitation. Researchers suggest that couples live together as a way of trying out marriage to test compatibility with their partners, while still having the option of ending the relationship without legal implications. In 1996, more than three-quarters of all cohabitors report plans to marry their partners, which implies that most of them viewed cohabitation as a prelude to marriage. Cohabitation shares many qualities with marriage, often couples who are cohabiting share a residence, personal resources, exclude intimate relations with others and, in more than 10% of cohabiting couples, have children. Many young adults believe cohabitation is a good way to test their relationships prior to marriage. Couples who have plans to marry before moving in together or who are engaged before cohabiting typically marry within two years of living together. The state of cohabitation of a couple often ends either in marriage or in breakup, according to a 1996 study about 10% of cohabiting unions remained in this state for more than five years. According to a survey done by the National Center for Health Statistics, over half of marriages from 1990 to 1994 among women began as cohabitation. Cohabitation can be an alternative to marriage in situations where marriage is not possible for financial or family reasons, such as same-sex, interracial or interreligious marriages. Cohabitation, sometimes called de facto marriage, is becoming more commonly known as a substitute for conventional marriage. Common law marriage in the United States can still be contracted in nine U.S. states, and in two others under restriction. This helps provide the surviving partner a legal basis for inheriting the decedent's belongings in the event of the death of their cohabiting partner. In today's cohabiting relationships, 40% of households include children, giving us an idea of how cohabitation could be considered a new normative type of family dynamic. As of 2012, 
41% of all births in the U.S. were to unmarried women. In three states, Mississippi minus 55%, Louisiana minus 53%, and New Mexico minus 52%, births outside marriage were in the majority. The lowest percentage of births outside marriage was in Utah, at 19%. During the period 2006 to 2010, 58% of births outside marriage were to cohabiting parents. United States Cohabitation in the United States became common in the late 20th century. As of 2005, 4.85 million unmarried couples were living together, and as of 2002, about half of all women aged 15 to 44 had lived unmarried with a partner. In 2007, it is estimated that 6.4 million households were maintained by two opposite-sex persons who said they were unmarried. In 2012, the General Social Survey found that public disapproval of cohabitation had dropped to 20% of the population. Researchers at the National Center for Family and Marriage Research estimated in 2011 that 66% of first marriages are entered after a period of cohabitation. According to the 2009 American Community Survey conducted by the Census Bureau, the proportion of 30 to 44-year-olds living together has almost doubled since 1999, from 4% to 7%. 58% of women aged 19 to 44 had ever cohabited in data collected in 2006-08, while in 1987 only 33% had. Cohabitation is more prevalent among those with less education. Among women ages 19 to 44, 73% of those without a high school education have ever cohabited, compared with about half of women with some college, 52%, or a college degree, 47%, note the Pew Studies authors, Richard Fry and Vera Cohn. Before the mid-20th century, laws against cohabitation, fornication, adultery and other such behaviors were common in the U.S., especially in southern and northeastern states, but these laws have been gradually abolished or struck down by courts as unconstitutional. Cohabitation was almost impossible in the United States prior to the 1960s. Laws prevented unmarried couples from registering in hotels and it was very difficult for an unmarried couple to obtain a home mortgage. From 1960 to 1998, cohabitation moved from disreputable and difficult to normal and convenient. As of April 2016, cohabitation of unmarried couples remains illegal in three states, Mississippi, Michigan, and North Carolina while as of 2020 fornication remains illegal in two states, Idaho and Mississippi. These laws are almost never enforced and are now believed to be unconstitutional since the legal decision Lawrence v. Texas in 2003. However, these laws may have indirect effects. For example, one consequence may be that one may not claim their partner as a dependent, for a tax exemption, whereas in the other states it may be possible to do so after meeting four criteria, residency, income, support and status. In 2006, in North Carolina, Pender County Superior Court Judge Benjamin G. Alford ruled that North Carolina's cohabitation law is unconstitutional. However, the Supreme Court of North Carolina has never had the opportunity to rule on it, so the law's statewide constitutionality remains unclear. On December 13, 2013, U.S. Federal Judge Clark Wadoops ruled in Brown v. Booman that the portions of Utah's anti-polygamy laws which prohibit multiple cohabitation were unconstitutional, but also allowed Utah to maintain its ban on multiple marriage licenses. Unlawful cohabitation, where prosecutors did not need to prove that a marriage ceremony had taken place, only that a couple had lived together, had been a major tool used to prosecute polygamy in Utah since the 1882 Edmonds Act. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America, Canada. 
Family formation has undergone significant changes in Canada during the last decades of the 20th century, but the patterns vary widely across the country, suggesting differing cultural norms in different regions. From 1995, births to cohabiting parents have increased, particularly in Quebec. In Canada, it is difficult to obtain exact data on the percentage of births outside marriage, because data on the marital status of mothers is collected differently across the provinces and territories of Canada, and in some, such as Alberta, it is not broken down in detail in regard to whether the mother was legally married or not at the birth of her child. As of 2012, the statistical category of single mothers, defined as never married at the time of the birth, encompassed 28.3% of mothers, the category divorced, i.e. mothers who were unmarried at the time of birth, but had been previously married during their lives, encompassed 1%, while for 10% of mothers the marital status was unknown, not stated. There are, however, very significant differences by province-slash-territory, for example in 2012, 77.8% of births in Nunavut were listed to single mothers, by contrast, less than 20% of mothers in Ontario were listed in this category. Latest data from the Quebec Statistical Institute shows that as of 2015, in Quebec, 63% of children were born to unmarried women. In Canada, legal issues regarding cohabitation are very complicated by the fact that family law in this regard differs by province-slash-territory, which is very confusing to the public especially as this contrasts to criminal law which is the same across Canada, as well as to marriage and divorce law, which is also the same across the country. Under the 1986 Divorce Act, Canada, although provinces-slash-territories have jurisdiction over some marital issues, including the solemnization of marriage, spousal and child support, and property division. The marital status of Canadians also varies by province-slash-territory. In 2011, 46.4% of the population aged 15 and over was legally married, ranging from the lowest percentage of married people being in Nunavut, 29.7%, Northwest Territories, 35.0%, Quebec, 35.4%, and Yukon, 37.6%, to highest being in Newfoundland and Labrador, 52.9%, Prince Edward Island, 51.7%, Ontario, 50.3%, and Alberta, 50.2%. While today Quebec is known for liberal family formation and cohabitation, this is a recent development. During the first half of the 20th century, family life in the province was conservative and strongly dominated by Roman Catholicism. Before 1968, there was no provincial divorce legislation in Quebec, and spouses could only end their marriage if they obtained a private act of parliament. One of the explanations of the current high rates of cohabitation in Quebec is that the traditionally strong social control of the church and the Catholic doctrine over people's private relations and sexual morality has led the population to rebel against traditional and conservative social values. While some provinces were early to modernize family law, in others this only happened in the 1990s and the 21st century, such as in Alberta, through the Family Law Act, Alberta, which came into force in 2005. This act overhauled family legislation, replacing the Domestic Relations Act, the Maintenance Order Act, the Parentage and Maintenance Act, and parts of the Provincial Court Act and the Child, Youth, and Family Enhancement Act, which were seen as outdated. Also, the Adult Interdependent Relationships Act amended 69 Alberta laws. The Canadian Prairies provinces of Manitoba and Saskatchewan have strong common-law spouses regulations, imposing rights and obligations on common-law couples. Nova Scotia has also been very slow to advance family law, 
It was only in 1999 that this province abolished discrimination against illegitimate children with regard to inheritance, through Section 16 of the Nessing Testate Succession Act amended in 1999. In general, today, provinces in Western Canada give more rights to common-law spouses than those in Atlantic Canada and in Quebec. This may seem quite paradoxical, because it is the eastern provinces which have the strongest tradition of cohabitation, according to a study unmarried cohabitation seems to be more common in eastern Canada than in western Canada, which might be related to internal and international migration. As of 2012, 48% of births in New Brunswick, 47.1% in Newfoundland and Labrador, and 45.2% in Nova Scotia, were listed to single mothers, way above the national average. In British Columbia, the Family Law Act came into force in 2013. Britain. In Britain today, nearly half of babies are born to people who are not married, in the United Kingdom 47.3% in 2011, in Scotland in 2012 the proportion was 51.3%. It is estimated that by 2016, the majority of births in the UK will be to unmarried parents. The Victorian era of the late 19th century is famous for the Victorian standards of personal morality. Historians generally agree that the middle classes held high personal moral standards and rejected cohabitation. They have debated whether the working classes followed suit. Moralists in the late 19th century such as Henry Mayhew decried high levels of cohabitation without marriage and illegitimate births in London slums. However new research using computerized matching of data files shows that the rates of cohabitation were quite low, under 5%, for the working class and the urban poor. Falling marriage rates and increased births outside marriage have become a political issue, with questions of whether the government should promote marriage or focus on the status of a parent rather than a spouse. The Conservative Party support the former whilst Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats support the latter. There are also differences between England and Wales and Scotland, with the latter being more accepting of cohabitation. Ireland Cohabitation in Ireland has increased in recent years, and 36.6% of births were to unmarried women in 2016. Until a few decades ago, women who had children outside marriage were severely stigmatized and often detained in Magdalene laundries. The Civil Partnership and Certain Rights and Obligations of Cohabitants Act 2010 gives some rights to unmarried cohabitants, under this act same-sex couples can enter into civil partnerships, while long-term unmarried couples, both heterosexual and same-sex who have not registered their relation have some limited rights and obligations. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America